So hello once again, everyone. This is Steve Taylor. I am the founder and lead advisor over here at Merited Wealth. And thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of what I call Thoughts in Growth Mode. So my podcast and the YouTube channel, we do a couple different formats. Uh, one is more of an interviewing format of self-employed professionals and lessons to be learned and all the like. And this one, we really like to tackle a, uh, a subject matter and kind of go through it bring an expert in and uh, and kind of go through the uh, the process and and hopefully once again for anybody that's out there listening you may have brought you know this issue may have come up to you that hopefully you find this you know beneficial and if you do please let us know right click below leave comments whatever send us uh, send us an email so the topic today is is a topic that really, if you're watching TV, you're listening to the radio, it's really grown in steam the last six, you know, six plus months, where it is the employee retention credit. Okay, so a lot of people are seeing commercials and hearing all these things, uh, you know, about it. But uh, so let me let me introduce my my guest for today, and he could tell you a little bit, uh, you know, about himself and his firm. But but Rich, if you can introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. Steve, first off, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, my name is Rich Patotsky. I'm a CPA. My firm's name is Miami CFO. And uh, since the beginning of 2021, we specialized in the employee retention credit. Uh, we've processed over $200 million for about 600 entities all across the country. Awesome. Awesome, Rich. Okay, so so let's start with, you know, really basic. Someone's tuning in. They're seeing this. They're not really understanding what is the employee retention tax credit kind of where did it come from why is it here why is this such a hot topic that's a great question so obviously uh this is the last pandemic stimulus money still available uh it was created under the cares act in march of 2020 uh, the same cares act that created the ppp loan program uh, this is one of the two stimulus plans that the, the congress came up with originally they were mutually exclusive and the way the math worked, you got more money, you got it from your bank, you didn't have to deal with the IRS, everyone took PPP. So you fast forward to December of 2020, Congress was doing round two of PPP and realized they had a massive bucket of unutilized tax credits. So they changed the law in December of 2020 and allowed you to go back retroactively and claim these credits even if you took PPP. And then they increased the amount and the frequency of these credits going forward into 2021. The reason that's a big deal is because a lot of people went to their CPAs or their accountants and said, what's this credit sometime during 2020? And the answer was, oh, you got a PPP loan, you don't qualify. And so there was a lot of misunderstanding for a long time after that. Well, I can't, my, my accountant told me I don't qualify, or this is not something that I, I'm qualified for because I took PPP. And so it was very much underutilized, uh, probably up until the middle of last year. I would say it's still only like 60% utilized. And, there, and we're going to talk about that later, but obviously the IRS has issued some warnings that has scared a lot of people off from even looking at this as well. And we'll so talk that's about great. That that, that's wonderful, yeah. Richard. Really, thank you for explaining that because I remember at the beginning of 2020, right, we're all trying to figure it out. All the, the CARES Act comes out. Uh, there's lots of provision in it. People are asking about, oh, you can borrow from your retirement can, all the, all these different things. And there was confusion, right? Because no one knew what how how it worked, how it was going to play out. Because typically, you know, rulemaking laws come out, then you you know see some regulations and you kind of have time to figure it out. But we were all such under the gun and un under the pressure of it. So that, that's really, really helpful, uh, you know, maybe for some people that went through and they, they did go through the PPP and they were thinking about it in 2020, 
that they haven't really revisited it right since then. And so that's really helpful to know why this is this is becoming more popular. And, and it's it's a lifesaver for a lot of small businesses. I mean, we're talking about it's up to twenty six thousand dollars per W two employee. Uh, okay. So it's you know a twenty person pizza restaurant. They're looking at a possible five hundred twenty thousand dollars of a fully refundable payroll tax credit. So, so what, so what does that mean, Rich? Explain that to people what refundable means versus like a, a normal credit. You know, so, why, what's the so it's got a that? couple of a couple of advantages over PPP. So number one, it, it is a fully refundable. You're going to get a, an actual paper check from the government. Uh, it's a check in hand. You do not have any requirements. So PPP, if you remember, had a lot of uh, strings attached to it. You had to use it for payroll or business expenses. You couldn't, in theory, you couldn't pay off debt. You couldn't, uh, you know, you couldn't buy fixed assets with it. It had a lot of restrictions. This money has no restrictions. It's an IRS refund. No different than when you get a refund on your personal 1040. Uh, so the check goes to the company and the company can do whatever they want with it. Uh, so it's, you know, the, the amount is uh, $5,000 for all of 2020. And then uh, $7,000 per employee per quarter for the first three quarters of 2021. Okay, so let's walk walk us through that, Rich. Um, you know, because I know the quarters are really important, and I know there's kind of a moving uh, timetable. You know, going through with this, uh, what walk us through a little bit of, of the eligibility uh, here, and, and so people can kind of like, hey, listen, that might sound like me. That I might qualify for that. So there's two basic tenets to qualify for the credits. The first is a is a math test. Uh, it is what's called, they call the gross receipts test. The way the law is written, it says you had to have a substantial or significant decline in revenue. It's defined differently for 2020 than it is for 2021. In 2020, you would need to have a 50% drop in revenue in any quarter, second, third, or fourth versus the base year of 2019. So specifically, we'd be looking at Q2 of 2020 when the world pretty much stopped versus Q2 of 19. If your revenue was down 50%, you're going to qualify for 2020 until such time as your revenue comes back to exceed 80% of that base year, right? So if you if you had a huge drop in Q2 and your revenue bounced back in Q3, you wouldn't qualify for Q4 in 2020 in that scenario. Um, in 2021, you need to have a 20% drop in revenue. So Q1 of 21 versus Q1 of 19, if your revenue is down 20% or more, you're going to qualify for that quarter. Uh, you can qualify for one quarter, not the others. So it is done on a quarter by quarter basis. So the second way to qualify, so, so the, the, the one is very, very straightforward. It's math. The second one is a little bit more nebulous. Uh, the, the law states that if you were subject to a full or partial shutdown due to a government mandate, uh, and it had to have a more than nominal impact. So there's two parts to it. So the first part, let's take the first part. It was written for hospitality, specifically restaurants that had an indoor dining ban they wanted to get them uh, their their money, and so. Uh, but since then, you know, as you as you mentioned, the lawyers get involved. People start interpreting the law. It's expanded, and uh, you know, there's a lot of it's a case by case basis. But there's a lot of industries that will qualify uh, based on, uh, for instance, uh, private day schools. They were shut down in 2020 when they reopened. They had capacity restrictions on them. Uh, Large nonprofits are usually very good candidates because any kind of after-school program, Sunday school program, summer camp, they're all going to qualify because they were all shut down for some period of time. Uh, law firms are another one. So, you know, law firms typically could have worked remotely and, and had done workarounds during the pandemic. However, every courthouse in this country was either closed or went virtual. And by doing so, they're, they're, you know, if you did any litigation whatsoever, 
There were no jury trials allowed. There was, you know, limitations on discovery and interrogatories that had a direct impact on the on the current or future revenue of the law firm. So the law firms will qualify. Uh, so it's great. you know, yeah. And so there's yeah. definitely it's industry by industry things that you don't even think about the the uh, construction trades, like uh, the GCs and the sub trades. Permit offices are closed for different times, and so if a permit office goes, you can't pull a permit, you can't work. So there's, you know, like I said, there's lots of different ways to interpret it, to take a look at it. My team's very good at having these mandates from all over the country. So if you're in a major municipality, we probably already have the mandates. Um, is, the is there a, um, Rich, is there any kind of guideline that's come down from the IRS on on what does or do, is too tenuous or, or not too tenuous? Or is basically offices like yours just left up to kind of figure it out, look at the mandates and, make, and, and apply the kind of the reasonableness test that we think, hey, we think this is close enough. I think we can file. So obviously there's no case law. Uh, I was one of the first ones into this, right? Let's be honest. I was, I, when, it, when, it, when the law changed in 2020, late 2020, I jumped in with both feet and I became laser focused on it. Uh, in doing so, I had a lot of discussions with my contemporaries at the big four and the big six, right? So I spoke to the, the managing partner at BDO. I spoke to the managing partner at KPMG. And we kind of, all of us, came up with a consensus of what does it mean? Because there is no guidance. Uh, and it was helpful because, for, I'll give you an example. For instance, there was some discussion about does an owner's wages qualify as qualified wages and are they eligible to take the credit? I took the conservative approach from the, from the, the, the get-go and just said, no, any owner, anybody related to the owner, you're not getting the credit. That guidance wasn't issued until August of 2021. Well, I've been doing this for at that point nine months, uh, you know, so it's kind of a little late. I'd already done a bunch of them. So luckily I guessed right. Uh, but, you know, there was, they continued to issue guidance on this once a month throughout the month of July. And they still, you know, they've somewhat changed the rules a couple of times mid, mid game, but that's to be expected. That's said, government. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so, but, we, you know, we, we know this law pretty much better than anybody at this point. And uh, we're, we're very comfortable with what we've done for our clients. And we know that we can defend them in an audit moving forward. That's great. Yeah, well, we'll come to that because that's what the, the process is going to be. The, the government and all kind of regulated governing bodies are pretty much pros at not giving any guidance, but then coming back and say, well, no, that wasn't right. Right. And so you have well, to and, and the interesting part of the battle on that. Yeah, the interesting part about this is they actually use the honor system, which we all know is not the greatest thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. So rather than ask for the substantiation up front, they're basically saying you can go ahead and apply for this and you'll get your money. But then we have the right to come back and audit later. And we, we may determine they're not eligible, in which case they, they would then owe the money back plus penalty of interest. Right, right. So that's, that's a really important part, right? So that when you're going and going and, and applying for this credit, uh, while they might not be requiring it, it's really best practice, right, to collect it all and get that all ready for when they do come, they do come knocking on the other side. If you believe you have exposure, absolutely. I mean, that's if you took an aggressive stance, then you, you've got some exposure for sure. Yeah. Um, Rich, in, in reviewing the, the laws also, I saw you, know, you gave us those great examples, and I saw there's kind of this definition of a recovery startup business, where it seems like a business that came about because of uh, the, you know, the, the, the challenges in the pandemic, that they're kind of niched in there. Um, are, have you had many? Have you seen many like that? Or does that absolutely so open up for another, yeah, this... another area of, of business for, for new businesses that started? So anybody that started after February 15th of 2020 is deemed a recovery startup business. The way the law is, is worded, almost anyone will qualify 
because you would have to average a million dollars in revenue. So it's not, so you'd have to be doing $3 million in revenue by 2021 uh, in order to not qualify. So uh, bottom line is you get up to $50,000 in the third and the fourth quarter of it, of the credit. So it's a hundred grand uh, for a startup business. And, and the, the bar is very low to qualify. Like I said, almost every startup will qualify for that hundred grand. Got it. And, there, and there's no base year comparison like 2019, like to the yeah. other two tests, that is this uh, startup gross revenue uh, and you would qualify. So that, that would potentially be almost easier because you don't have to, you don't have to show any kind of uh, damages. Correct. That's right. Okay. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So, so it's really interesting, Rich. So that, that's really helpful. I, I understand. I, I see how these businesses are out there and how they're, they're going through it and, and these different opportunities. So, you know, you, you've been going through, you've been working on these and working with these clients. What, what are some of the, uh, some of the things you've been seeing, whether it's certain areas or businesses or just demographics that, that you're seeing, um, you know, some, some best practices or some, some caveats as you've been uh, making these filings the last two years? So obviously, you know, it's really important that, you know, it's only W2 employees. Okay. Uh, there, there are a lot of people out there uh, being very aggressive with their marketing. Uh, you know, just to be clear, I have not done any marketing per se at all, right? Everything, every client I've gotten is a word of mouth referral. Um, but there are definitely some firms out there who are spending an awful lot of money uh, in, in radio advertising, direct mail advertising, uh, you know, targeted Facebook ads. Uh, and they're spending 10 million a month and that they're doing that because they can generate that kind of revenue on the other side of it. Uh, the IRS has issued about four warnings now regarding what they're calling ERC mills. Right. People who are taking advantage of the system, charging upfront fees, charging very high contingent fees uh, to do this work. And, you know, I, I would just say buyer beware. Uh, you know, uh, I've had clients come to me where I tell them they don't qualify. And I, I know down the road they went to, down the street and found somebody that would do it for them. You're just asking to, to have a problem down the road. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult because they'll come and say, well, my, my buddy who also owns an HVAC company, he qualified. How did he get his money? Well, I, I don't know the revenue of the other company. I don't know the situation of the other company. Uh, so that's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, there are certain industries that are very difficult to qualify. For instance, home health care. Uh, typically, the revenue was up two or three X. There was no mandate that impacted their ability. They were deemed essential. And so right there, if you don't pass the revenue test and you were deemed essential, it's very difficult to prove that you were impacted at all during the pandemic. So uh, you know, the, the flip side of that is I've got my, my first client provided linens to all the spas in Miami Beach. Well, the spas were closed for, you know, months. Um, so he obviously qualified in revenue uh, and desperately needed the money. There's another gentleman up in Broward who has a specialty company that does rentals to the cruise line industry. And when I say rentals, I mean walkers, oxygen tanks, uh, wheelchairs. So these specialty items that people need, medical equipment, when they go on a cruise, well, I don't know if you remember, but cruises were 15 months, right? So it was from March to July of 21. He did not have a dollar in revenue. Hmm. Uh, so as long as he maintained payroll, he would, he would get credits for the people that he actually paid. I mean, it's an employee retention credit. The purpose of it, just like PPP, was to protect employees and keep them on the payroll rather than have them go on unemployment. Rich, real, 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 one quick technical question there, because you said that uh, the PPP and the ERC used to be linked, but then they were no longer linked. 
Uh, if if you basically were able to maintain payroll in part or if not totally because of PPP, would you then be able to go in later and say, hey, listen, I maintain payroll, even though it's coming from PPP? So the answer is it depends. Okay. So there's uh, when you filed for forgiveness for the PPP, you could use 60% of the PPP for payroll costs, right? So that other 40% would then be eligible for ERC. You cannot double dip. You cannot use the same payroll dollar twice. So as long as you have what we call excess wages, wages above and beyond what you use for PPP forgiveness, those excess wages would be available for the credit. Great, great. And and one other uh, question, uh, Rich, when they receive this money back, is that considered taxable income? It is. So the IRS was very adamant about this. So let's say you're going to, you know, we filed now, it takes five months. We'll talk about that, but five months for the IRS to issue a check. So you may not receive it until 2024, but it's actually taxable income and in the quarter that it was generated. I mean, you'd have to go back and amend your 2020 and your 2021 income tax returns. So it's a, it's, for, it's, you don't have to pay the money back, but it is taxable. So effectively, even if you're in the highest bracket, the government's giving you a dollar and you got to give them back 37 cents. So you do that until you run out of dollar bills. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So we're still going through this and, and Rich, um, at, at what time period to give anyone who may be listening an idea that's saying, hey, listen, if you wait too long, you're going to have, you know, missed out the time period. When do people need to be thinking about deadlines enabled in order to get their uh, their filing done? So there, there's two different deadlines. You're, you're filing amended payroll tax returns. The first deadline for that is April 15th of 2024. So they've got, you know, about 10 months to hit the first deadline. For 2021, it's going to be April 15th of 2025. Uh, so those are the two deadlines. So you'll lose the, you know, the 2020 credits next April, and then the following April, the whole program stops. Great, great. Ass uh, assuming so it's not shut down by the legislature before that. But right, at any time. That's always that's always a possibility. So, Rich, someone's gone through this. They've worked with you, or they've worked you. You know, they've received their their credits uh, through some other fashion, and, and they've gotten it. I guess, you know, they now they've gotten the money and they're going to, you know, amend their their income tax returns and the like. And are they free and clear? Do we have nothing further to worry about this? Or is there something they should be thinking about? They should always be thinking about an audit potential. So, uh, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, the IRS just got $80 billion and they hired 80,000 people. Uh, those auditors started in October of 2022. Uh, the first audit letters just went out in the first week of April. Uh, I So out of my 600 clients, I've had three that were selected for audit already. Uh, we've successfully defended two, and the third one we'll do is just a half an hour ago. So I'm hoping to get that determination letter early next week that you know, we're, we're, we're clear. Uh, that being said, the, the IRS audit period goes through 2026, and I believe that they're going to extend that. Uh, yes, the estimates I've heard between PPP and ERC is over $1 trillion in fraud. Um, so the IRS literally is is looking for people that filed for the credits and either had no basis to claim the credits or they made up the W-2 employees out of whole cloth, which is, you know, we saw with PPP, there was a lot of that happening. It's it's more difficult with ERC just because of the nature of it and the fact that you're filing an amended payroll tax return. And if you didn't have employees and pay in, can't get the credit. Uh, but certainly... If you were told you don't qualify and you went ahead and, and, and submitted anyhow, that is technically tax fraud. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out over the next uh, three to five years. Let me give you a worst case, worst case scenario. Uh, 
you, you're contacted by one of these ERC mills. They're, they're oh yeah, you qualify. Uh, OSHA required. You had to wear a mask. That, that, that is not a qualifier. But they're going to tell you that based on uh, distancing regulations, your, your business was impacted. Even if your revenue was up double. Oh, no, no, your business was impacted. You qualify. So bad advice. Uh, you go ahead and you, and, you, and you file it. And let's say you've got 40 employees. You're getting a million dollars. So typically, these other actors charge 25%. So your, your, your million dollars is reduced by the $250 you pay for a fee. You have to pay the 37% to Uncle Sam for the taxes. So you, you've, you've netted 380 out of the original million. Uh, you get audited three years from now. Uh, the IRS determines you didn't qualify. You owe the million dollars plus interest plus penalty. So it's going to be significantly more than a million dollars. You're outside the scope of being able to amend your income tax returns because it's a three-year window for that. So you can't get back the 370 grand you paid in income tax. And good luck finding the advisor who told you that you qualified and getting that 250 back. So you're holding 380, you owe a million plus plus, and you have very little recourse. It's going to be that's a problem. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting whether that that goes out. If uh, I understand, you know, that that three years and let's say if it wasn't because of fraud, right, that, but if you have to go back and you pay back, you just didn't qualify to say they're not going to allow you to amend the and basically they'll ask you for money that you paid already to the IRS. So that, that's going to be an interesting conversation. We'll see how that that works out. But but let me ask you this, Rich. So so somebody then has gotten it and they get this this audit letter. What is the best, uh, the best idea, the best advice, you know, you would give to them that once they got that letter, um, what they should do? I think number one would be, yeah, don't, if they want, but they can, but don't necessarily contact the IRS right away. But what's, what's kind of the best steps for them to, uh, to, to handle getting that notice? So, so typically they have a 30 day response time on these okay. letters. Uh, I would absolutely find a professional tax advisor. Uh, either a tax attorney or a CPA and have them review whatever it is that you submitted originally and your basis for why you believe you qualify. Uh, certainly that's something that we'll be providing, you know, additional clients as well. But, you know, basically for that audit file, they, and, and the other problem is when the IRS is there, similar to when you get stopped for a broken taillight, they're going to ask you to open the trunk. Uh, the first client that got audited, they asked for their entire general ledger, which they're doing a payroll tax audit. They had no reason to see the general ledger, but they're going to just kind of peek under the hood while they're there. Um, but certainly the advice would be higher representation. Uh, make sure you've got all of your I's dotted and your T's crossed uh, and know what your exposure is. Uh, for instance, one of my clients, uh, they, they had three brother-in-laws that they didn't tell me were on the payroll. They had a different last name. But you know, once we got to the audit period, we self-disclosed that and that was the adjustment was $15,000. So certainly better to do that, give the IRS the win uh, and, and and know where you are than have to worry about you know losing the entire amount. Always, that's, that's settlement, that's negotiation 101 and especially dealing with the IRS. And I tell people this all the time that if you wait for them and they come knocking at your door, it's really in trouble. If you come forward and say, hey, listen, we, we think we made this, this one error, give them their wins, uh, that makes everything uh, completely, completely different. And that's, I think that that's great advice. So Rich, I really appreciate this time today. You know, I'm going to put your information and, and the information about the firm and everything, anything below. Uh, if anyone has any, you know, questions on this or any ideas for future topics or anything like that, uh, please let us know, you know, email us at podcast at meritedwealth.com uh, uh, with any other ideas or anything like that. 
But uh, I just want to close. I want I want to thank you, Rich. I really appreciate all this advice. If, if there's any final nugget you'd like to put out there, please uh, please let us know. I, I I just appreciate the time and uh, you know uh, good luck, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> there we go. Good luck to all of us. Right? Sounds like the pandemic was starting over again. But thanks everyone for listening.